Well, good morning, North Star. What an honor it is to get to be with you today. My name is Casey, and I'm just so excited to get to continue in our Influencers series today. So we're going to be in Acts 21. Go ahead and get a head start and flip there. If you're looking for it in your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then you will find the book of Acts. As we're flipping there, finding our spot collectively, I would love to take a survey of the room to help get us going this morning. So if I was to come ask you the most commonly used application on your phone, how many of you would say it's your email? You're opening your email more than anything else. Where are my business professionals in the room? Wonderful. It's lovely to have you here today, okay? If I was to come ask you um, if any of the social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, Facebook, those are the apps you open the most. Let me see my show of hands for the stallers in the room. Wonderful, okay? It's great to have you. All right, got to move to my, my third group, my people. You're going to be my favorites if you raise your hand with me here. If I was to ask you if the Reminder app was the number one application that you used on your phone, anybody else in the room? Oh, beautiful, my people in the back. So can I give you an insight into the mind of somebody who uses the Remind app more than anything else? Most of us wake up and you remember to do things. You just wake up and you do it. It's just part of your routine and habits. I wouldn't say that I'm a forgetful person, but I fear being a forgetful person. So everything is in the Remind app. I, no lie, probably have 100 reminders set in my uh, phone right now. So at 8.30 this morning, every day, my phone goes off, boom, check your calendar. Awesome, I've got to check my calendar. And I've got to make sure that every part of my day is planned out. When am I eating? When am I brushing my teeth? All of those things. Eight o'clock tonight, boom, water the plants so you don't get yelled at. It's going to say that. I've got to remember these things because I'm afraid I'm going to forget. If you're not on the Reminder app game, you need to get on it. The reason I ask that question as we begin this morning is because today is a Reminder app morning. What we're going to be talking about today is a story you may not be familiar with, but the principles of the story are things that we're all too familiar with. However, when we're in the midst of difficulty and when we're in the midst of adversity in our lives, they're so easy to forget. So today is all about planning for that time that you're desperately going to need to remember what we pull out of this story. Acts 21, verse 27. Scripture tells us this. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together, and they seized Paul, and they dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. 
And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came in, into the steps, he was actually carried away by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of people followed crying out, away with him. So to surmise what we just read so far, Paul is preaching at the temple Jews are angry that he's there. They accuse him of three different things that we're going to go over here in just a moment. But the, the people get so angry and get so out of control, it turns into legitimately an angry mob that are trying to kill Paul. So there is no trial. There is no judge. There is no jury. There's only execution on their minds for Paul. They're going to kill him on the temple steps. Roman soldiers in the tribune see a mob breaking out, and they've got to go get control of the situation. They get Paul, and they arrest him, and they take him to the barracks. They take him to prison. Verse 37. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia and a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when, when there, there was a great hush, and he addressed them in the Hebrew language. Paul's doing everything that he's asked to do. Paul is doing everything that he's been called by God to do, and he runs into this angry mob and is ultimately arrested. We've been in this influencer series going through the book of Acts, talking about what it looks like for us in a world that doesn't see it. What does it look like for us to influence for Christ? Today, we're going to continue with that, but we're going to run with this idea of what does it look like to influence for Jesus even when life doesn't go your way. You can be doing everything right. You can be doing everything that God has called you to do. And there are some times that life does not go your way. There's trials, there's hardships, there's um, unforeseen circumstances, there's loss, there's pain, there's suffering. There's a list of things that frankly we know all too well that we run into and that we've got to deal with, even when we are trying our best to follow the Lord. So how do we keep going? We're going to talk about that this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. And God, we just uh, we thank you for an opportunity to gather together as a, as a church and, and to dive into your word. And Lord, this room is not just a collection of faces to you. This room is a collection of individuals you know intimately. And as we talk about adversity and we talk about hardships and when life doesn't go our way, God, you know every thought that's running through our minds as we, we think about our own personal lives and the things that we've dealt with. You know what we've walked through because you've been by our side through each of it. 
Father, what I ask for today is that as we dive into your word, as we dive into the story of the Apostle Paul, Father, I just pray that, um, Lord, that we would be able to take the lessons that Paul displays here in Acts 21 and we can apply them to our own lives. Whether we're in the midst of dealing with life not going our way as we walk into the room today, or God, maybe it's on the horizon. I pray that we would take it and that we would apply your word to our lives so that we can continue to go and influence and glorify the name of Jesus with all we think, all we say, and all we do. Lord, we love you and we give you this time. It's your name that we pray, amen. So how do we influence even when life doesn't go our way? We've gotta remember something that most of us, uh, it's not hard to remember, and it's this. We've gotta remember that life isn't easy. Life isn't easy, and life wasn't meant to be easy. In this moment, Paul is being faithful to God's calling. Paul is doing exactly what he's been called to do. He hasn't deviated from the plan. He was living a totally different life a few years before. He's got this incredible intersection moment with the Lord on the road to Damascus as he's on his way to persecute and kill Christians. God completely changes his life, changes the trajectory of his life, and his ministry then begins. And Paul has been faithful every day and every step of the way. And this day that we're looking at in Acts 21 is no different. And yet, here he finds himself in front of unfounded accusations. I want to look back to verse 28. The crowd said this, crying out, Men of Israel, help. This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought the Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. So Paul's being accused of being against three things, the people, the law, and the temple. All Paul is doing at this moment, as we picked up in this story, Paul's just preaching that none of these are a basis of righteousness. None of these are good enough to get you to where you wanna go. That's all he's doing. But he's accused of being against the people, the law, and the temple, and he's accused of bringing this man from Ephesus into the inner parts of the temple where only priests were meant to go. So this crowd is infuriated, and they're ready to kill him over it. Here's what's interesting. If you flip back in your Bible just a few pages, you can go online and flip back a couple months on our YouTube and go to when we went through Acts 6. There's a man named Stephen that has similar accusations levied against him of being against the people, the law, and the temple. Stephen is ultimately stoned and killed by an angry mob for being against these things. The interesting thing is the leader of that mob at that time was Paul, who at that, at that moment was Saul. So you fast forward just a couple years, and he's on the other side of the coin. He now has incited this riot, and these people are trying to kill him over it. This is just the beginning for Paul's woes and his attempts to share the gospel. 
for those of you that have read uh, his other letters in the New Testament, we're going to know that he's going to be arrested multiple times. He's going to be shipwrecked. He's going to be snake bitten. A lot is going to go wrong for Paul, all while he's trying to do right. What we think should be easy, easy often brings difficulty. In our minds, sharing the gospel, living for Jesus should lead to an easy life. But it usually doesn't work that way. So I remember um, growing up, we have people here to attest to this. I was never one that really asked for a whole lot. I didn't, I didn't really want much. I didn't make Christmas lists or uh, anything like that for the most part. But in the seventh grade, I was ready to take a step in my life and, and take a step into a brand new world that my friends were getting to experience. And I felt at 13, it was time to get a cell phone, okay? Now, you might be thinking, ah, oh, man, iPhone, no, 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 no iPhone's not a thought in our mind at this point, okay? So here's what I did. I sat my parents down and I made a PowerPoint presentation. Just imagine it, going up on your television screen. A PowerPoint presentation of why I deserved a cell phone. Grades were great. I was doing well in school, uh, doing well at sports, staying out of trouble. So... I'm here to strike a bargain, deal or no deal. Are you willing to allow me to get a cell phone? Who do you have to call? Nobody. I had two friends, okay? I didn't want to talk on the phone. I'm terrified of talking on the phone. 30 texts a month, in and out, that's fine. I don't care. So I strike a deal for this beauty right here. Can we get this picture thrown up on the screen? Oh, yes, come on. Come on, who remembers the flip phone days, anybody? It's a simpler time, wasn't it? Simpler time. What are you doing on your phone? Nothing, playing snake, having a good time. So I held on to this phone for quite a while. About five months in, the antenna fell off, and I duct taped it to the top of the phone so that I could continue to give and to receive my 30 texts a month before we went over the bill, all right? This was a momentous day in my life was getting this phone, and I felt that I was the grand negotiator because I had struck a deal. I had presented my case to the arbiter, and I had received what I was looking for. I had received the compensation that I was ultimately wanting. Guys, we love to strike a deal, don't we? We love watching TV shows where they strike deals. It's just part of our human nature. We love to present our case for what we want and hope that we're going to get something else in return. Spiritually, here's what this looks like for us. God, my attendance record at church has been great. I've been praying. I've been doing my quiet time. I've even extended my quiet time. Therefore, this should happen in my life. Now, we may not pray it just like that. Here's how it usually plays out in our lives, though. Something goes awry, unforeseen circumstance, adversity. Our prayer life then turns into, God, how could you do this? God, where were you? God, have you forgotten what I've done for you? 
Have you forgotten that I have showed up every single Sunday? God, that I've carved time out of every day to get to know you a little bit better. I don't deserve this. Can we just make something incredibly crystal clear this morning? Man, God doesn't owe you and I anything. There's not a thing that he owes you and I. God in his infinite mercy and in his infinite grace realized that we are born into a sinful nature. And he's perfection who only knows perfection. There's no amount of community service hours that we can do to bridge the gap to get to him. So God, because of his love and because of his grace, sends his one and only son to live on this earth. And he lives a perfect life. He dies a death that he doesn't deserve. And he's resurrected three days later. Jesus comes to be the propitiation for our sins, for our transgressions, for our wrongdoing, to bridge the gap that we can't walk across on our own. So God doesn't owe you and I a thing. And yet, we often allow our minds to go to a place where we feel that he does because According to the U.S. Constitution and in our world today, we're good people. But we're all sinful people, born into a sinful nature that are in desperate need of a Savior. Jesus makes this incredibly clear, and he knew that some would only want to follow him to hopefully find convenience and a lack of hardship. So I want you to Hear this. This is Luke 9, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We've got no room to bargain for an easy life or think that our works will get us there. Because it's never been promised. I would love to tell you that there's an obscure passage of scripture that says if you do X, Y, and Z and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, everything's going to work out just as you hope it does. But never once has that been promised. Never once has that been told to us. So where do we find our comfort? We make this sacrifice of living different than the rest of the world by following Jesus. We are sacrificing a lot of the things that we want to do to follow him. So where do we find our our comfort and our hope in this? It comes in the fact that God has promised to us his faithfulness to never leave us, to never abandon us. 
doesn't offer that everything's going to be easy, but he does promise us that he's not going anywhere, and that he's not leaving our side. We don't follow Jesus out of it being the easiest thing. We follow Jesus because he is the best thing. That void that we're all born with in our lives that we try to fill with worldly things, Jesus is the only fulfillment. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody goes to the Father except through him. We've got to remember that life isn't easy. But for a lot of us, we know that. We walked into the room knowing that life isn't easy because you're walking through something right now. So where do we go from here? Yeah, I remember it. That's great. But what do I do with it? Paul gives us a a great example. Verse 32. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. So Paul is being beaten and then he gets arrested. He's doing what God's called him to do. But Paul does something that's incredibly vital in this moment and in the preceding moments and really for the rest of his life. Paul trusts in God's direction for him. He trusts in where the Lord's leading him. This area that Paul's being arrested 27 years earlier, it's not far off from the area where Jesus was confronted by an angry mob and was carried away. This is a very prominent area in Jerusalem outside of the temple. And it's easy to look at this passage and and to think that the Roman soldiers had care and concern for Paul because they recognized him, recognized that he was being beaten. The Roman soldiers and the centurion and the tribune, they cared for order. They did not care for Paul. They, They cared for Jerusalem to stay under control. They weren't concerned with Paul's well-being. As we read the passage earlier, They begin to ask Paul who he is and where he's from, and they accuse him of being an Egyptian. The commander assumed that Paul was an Egyptian who had appeared in Jerusalem three years before. And when this Egyptian had appeared in Jerusalem, he brought with him assassins. He claimed to be a prophet of the Lord. And he brought assassins with him who went into Jerusalem and killed Roman soldiers. It would walk up behind him and stab him and cause an up, uproar. Well, the Egyptian man gets away and runs off, but claims he will be back one day. So they see an angry mob outside the temple and think that this man is back. So, in all of this, we got Paul being beaten, he's been arrested, there's There's some confusion on his identity, but yet in all of that happening, this crazy, unforeseen circumstance, it ultimately sets Paul up on his trajectory to his ministry in Rome and to his ministry to writing what is the rest of the New Testament for us. This one 
crazy, out of the blue moment that arises changes the trajectory for Paul. Changes the trajectory for lots of cities across Asia and gives us the New Testament. God took an unlikely circumstance and he used it for his glory as he does so well. The question isn't, does God have a plan? We know from scripture, God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. It is by no mistake and no accident that you sit in the seat that you sit, that you work in the office you work in, that you live in the city that you live in. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. That is not the question. The question for you and I is are we willing to remain faithful to what God's doing in our lives? Because that's what Paul did in this moment. Paul remained faithful to the plan God had laid out for him no matter how rocky it got. No matter how confusing it seemed, no matter how frustrating it was, Paul shows up every single day and chooses to be faithful. Now God's direction for you might not look like being accused of something you didn't say or didn't do or being thrown into prison. But God's direction for you might look like a move that you weren't planning on. The loss of a job, an unforeseen trial, pain that you never saw on the horizon, a loss of a loved one. All things that are completely out of your control that you had nothing to do with that aren't an indictment of your lack of faithfulness to the Lord, that's just out of your control. The hardest thing to do is to remain patient and to remain faithful to the direction that God's taking you. It's so hard every single day to show up and to trust in somebody that we're not seeing face to face and trust that he has a plan and trust that he actually has a good that can come out of whatever we're going through at the time. So our natural tendency is to want to take control of the situation, isn't it? To want to grab the reins back. It's really easy to trust in the Lord when everything's smooth and we're just walking along. But when things go awry, we want to grab the reins back to the ship and begin to go in a direction that we know. Running to what we know and what we control is going to be our natural response. And it has been a human natural response since the beginning of time. We can flip back to the Old Testament thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago and read story after story after story of people who are confronted with a moment of an unforeseen circumstance when life isn't going their way. And instead of choosing to lean on the Lord and be faithful to what he's calling them to, they run in their own direction. You look at Jonah, who's called to Nineveh. The man jumps on a ship that's going in the complete opposite direction. He wants no business going to where he's called to. But the hard part of when we begin to try to take control of the story and we don't want to obey God's direction for our lives is that we only see a fragment of the story. 
If you ever have sat on the front row of a movie theater, you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? You're looking straight up, your neck hurts, you see a quarter of the screen, the rest of it's blurry and it's fuzzy. It's a miserable experience and you feel like you never saw the movie at all because you only saw one portion of the screen. God sees the entire picture. God sees the evidence of all that is happening and that will happen. It's up to us to trust and to obey in the direction that God's calling us to. Now we could stop right there and it would be an incredible story, wouldn't it? Story of resilience, story of faith, story of Paul submitting his life to what God's called him to. But what's interesting is the story doesn't stop there. Once they get the identity crisis solved and they realize who Paul is, he's from Tarsus, Paul makes a request to go and to speak to the same mob of people that were just trying to kill him moments before. To be taken out of his chains and to go and address the crowd that were trying to beat him only a few minutes before. Verse 40. And when he had given him permission, Paul standing on the steps motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language. Paul made a conscious choice to do something that is one of the hardest things that we can possibly do in this life. He chose to love even when they didn't love him. And we've got to choose to love even when they don't love you. And it isn't fun. And it isn't an enjoyable process. He's been beaten almost to his death by this group of people and now he wants to go and share the gospel. And it makes note of the language that he speaks to them. He speaks to them in Hebrew. He speaks to them in their everyday language to let them know that he's one of them. Paul's heart was so set on loving others that what had happened earlier didn't dissuade him, didn't bother him. He was gonna be faithful to share the good news of Jesus. And that's the power of the gospel. A man who just a few years before was on the other side of that mob, who was doing the beating, who was doing the killing, who was making the accusations, is now a man that has had his life change and he wants to share with them about the person and the man who changed his life. It mattered that much to him that there was no fear, there was no concern or regard for his current standing or injuries. The gospel going out meant that much to him. And the gospel going out should mean that much to us in 2022. See, sharing the gospel and loving others is a requirement is a necessity when it comes to following Jesus. 
Jesus said the two greatest commandments was to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. 1 John 4, 19 through 21 says this, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Jesus told us not only to love, but he showed us what love looked like as well. He showed us what love looked like through the miracles that he performed, through the way that he spoke to people that nobody at that time could understand why he was speaking to them. And he showed it through his actions by laying his life down on the cross so that you and I sitting here today would have the hope and the promise of eternal life one day. Loving people who don't love you is not something that's going to come natural. That's why it's a choice. And it's a choice that's completely countercultural to the world that we live in today. The world we live in today says that we surround ourselves with people that look like us, talk like us, think like us, and you group up and you stay there. Jesus has called us to something that's completely different, something that's completely countercultural to the way that our world and society function today. But he called us to it because it matters that much because it is that big of a deal. Because people's eternities are at stake. You make the choice to love people even when they don't love you. And all of this is great in theory. Right? Remembering life isn't easy, trusting God's direction, Choosing to love people, it all sounds great on paper. But when you apply it to your life, it can transform the way you think, the way that you talk, and the way that you live. No matter what you have going on in your life at this very moment, God has a plan and a purpose for what you're walking through. Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to continue to obey and continue to trust even when we don't know where we're going? And are we willing to tell the world around us about the man that we trust in and the man that we put all of our faith and our hope in? We've got the opportunity as a church, as a local church, to go and to make an impact on the world. Starting in our community and letting it spread like wildfire from here. We've got the opportunity, but it's up to us to take the step. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this passage and I thank you for the example that Paul lays out for us in Acts 21. But God, I pray that it wouldn't just be a story that we read from thousands of years ago. Father, I pray that it would be a story that 
just infects our hearts and our minds and our lives. And that we can't imagine walking out of here living the same way we did when we walked in. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you begin to transform our hearts and our minds that even when life isn't easy, even when things aren't going our way, that we'll trust in your direction. And God, I pray for each person that walked in here today that's faced with that obstacle, that's faced with that current adversity that's staring them in the face and they're wondering where they're gonna go and they're wondering if you're there right now. God, I pray your peace over their hearts and their minds in this very moment and I pray that they will put all of their faith in you and trust in your direction. And God, I pray for each one of us that we will make the conscious decision to love the individuals around us, even when they might have different opinions, might sit on a different side of the aisle. God, I pray that we will make the choice to love them anyways because the good news of Jesus matters to us that much. God, we thank you. May we not look the same as when we walked in. God, we love you. It's in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.